Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. We also extend a special welcome to all the visitors who have joined us this morning for worship and to those who have joined us remotely via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And may our faith be strengthened by the celebration of the Lord's Supper this morning. May God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Attestations have been requested by our brother and sister Wayne and Erica Vizza and seven of their children. Alistair, Brian, Nathan, Taylor, Liam, Harvey and Charlene to the Free Reform Church of Kelmscott. We wish them the Lord's blessing in their new congregation. You are reminded of the congregational meeting to be held tomorrow evening here in this building commencing at 8pm with the Seville Grove Steering Committee presenting. The next Classes North will, the Lord willing, be convened by the Free Reform Church of Melville and held in our church building on February the 2nd, 2024. And this morning the worship service will be led by Reverend Husinger, the Emeritus Minister of our sister church in Armadale. Before we commence this service, let us sing together from hymn 60, verse 6. Please rise to receive God's greeting. We confess our help is in the name of the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth. And He greets you. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Amen. In response to God's greeting, let us sing together. Psalm 125, stanzas 1 and 2.
God in his grace has made his covenant with us and with our children. We will therefore now submit ourselves to the words of his covenant. And afterwards we'll sing from that same Psalm 125, the stanzas 3 and 4. God spoke and in Christ speaks all these words to us, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's.
Let us unite in prayer and seek the Lord's blessing. Heavenly God, we come to worship you, the God of love and justice, the God who did not spare his own son, but sent him from heaven to earth. And we remember, especially this morning, how you sent him into this world. You had a plan. And that plan grew from a seed to a sapling to a tree with flowers and fruit. And Lord, we want to see how that developed and all that you have given us in that special sun. Bless us as we look back how you promised that special person, the Messiah, via the prophet Isaiah, to your waiting people. In those days they waited, but today we also wait. We wait for his coming in glory this time. And bless us as we remember and look forward. For we are gathered this morning especially to worship our Lord who gave his life. Yes, to remember his death. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he took our infirmities. We considered him stricken by you, O God, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Our transgression of those good laws that we could submit ourselves to. He was crushed for our iniquities, and by his wounds we are healed. There was no other way for our salvation, and you allowed him to see the outcome of his passion and atoning sacrifice. And today he can see us assembled. Thank you that we can do so in peace and freedom. Work in us so that our communal reflection and our silent remembrance indeed leads to thankful obedience and joyful praise for his great deliverance. For we need that, Lord. We fall far short of the love and obedience you require. We notice that again this morning. Strengthen us in faith and hope. Increase our love for you and for one another. In Christ's name we ask this. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Isaiah, and at the Lord's table we'll be reading from the first chapters of Isaiah. We're going to start by reading a short passage from Isaiah chapter 2. It concerns the mountain of the Lord. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Verses 2 
1 to 4 of Isaiah 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore and as we read further we'll notice and that some of these things will be expanded upon but for us today just to know and that they will not learn war anymore is a great comfort seeing so many conflicts on this globe let us now <clears throat> turn to the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper starting on page 603 in your books of praise. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper has been instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of this institution as described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. In order that we may now celebrate this Holy Supper of the Lord to our comfort, we must first rightly examine ourselves. Further, we must use it as Christ intended it, namely, to his remembrance. True self-examination consists of the following three parts. First, let everyone consider his sins and accursedness, so that he, detesting himself, may humble himself before God. For the wrath of God against sin is so great that he could not leave it unpunished, but has punished it in his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, 
by the bitter and shameful death on the cross. Second, let everyone search his heart, whether he also believes the sure promise of God that all his sins are forgiven him only for the sake of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ and that the perfect righteousness of Christ is freely given him as his own, as if he himself had fulfilled all righteousness. Third, let everyone examine his conscience, whether it is sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with his entire life, and laying aside all enmity, hatred, and envy, to live with his neighbor in true love and unity. God will certainly receive and grace all who are thus minded, and count them worthy to partake of the supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who do not feel this testimony in their hearts eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and of the Apostle Paul, we admonish all those who know themselves to be guilty of the following offensive sins to abstain from the table of the Lord. And we declare to them that they have no part in the kingdom of Christ. All who refuse to trust in the Lord alone or who serve him in their own manner. All who abuse the name of the Lord by cursing or in any other way. All who do not diligently attend the worship services and who despise the proclamation of God's word or the sanctity of the sacraments. All who are disobedient to their parents or to others in authority over them all who violate human life or cherish hatred against their neighbor and refuse to be reconciled to him, all who, either within or outside of holy wedlock, do not keep their bodies pure, all who by stealing, greed, or extravagance lead a worldly life, all liars, backbiters, and slanderers, briefly, all who either in word or conduct shows themselves to be unbelieving by leading an offensive life. While they persist in their sins, they shall not take of this food which Christ has ordained only for his believers. Otherwise, their judgment and condemnation will be the heavier. But all this, beloved brothers and sisters, is not meant to discourage broken and contrite hearts as if only those who are without sin may come to the table of the Lord. For we do not come to this supper to declare that we are perfect and righteous in ourselves. On the contrary, we seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we acknowledge that we are dead in ourselves. We also are aware of our many sins and shortcomings. We do not have perfect faith and we do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. Daily we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. Yet, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are heartily sorry for these shortcomings and desire to fight against our unbelief and to live according to all the commandments of God. Therefore, we may be fully assured that no sin or weakness which still remains in us against our will can prevent us from being received by God in grace 
and from being made worthy partakers of this heavenly food and drink. Let us now consider for what purpose the Lord has instituted his supper, namely that we should use it in remembrance of him. We are to remember him in the following manner. First, let us fully trust that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into this world according to the promises made from the beginning to the fathers in the Old Testament and that he assumed our flesh and blood from the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life on earth, he bore for us the wrath of God under which we should have perished eternally. By his perfect obedience, he has for us fulfilled all the righteousness of God's law. We remember in particular that the weight of the wrath of God caused by our sins pressed out of him sweat like drops of blood falling on the ground in the garden of Gethsemane. There he was bound that he might free us from our sins. He suffered countless insults that we might never be put to shame. Though innocent, he was condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. He even let his blessed body be nailed to the cross that, we might, that he might cancel the bond which stood against us because of our sins. By all this he has taken our curse upon himself that he might fill us with his blessing. On the cross he humbled himself in body and soul to the very deepest shame and anguish of hell. Then he called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we might be accepted by God and nevermore be forsaken by him. Finally, by his death and the shedding of his blood, he confirmed the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace, when he said, It is finished in order that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ during his last Passover instituted the Holy Supper. He gave the bread and cup to his disciples in remembrance of him. He taught us to understand that as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are reminded and assured of his hearty love and faithfulness towards us. It is a sure pledge he has given his body and shed his blood for us. Otherwise, we would have suffered eternal death. He nourishes and refreshes our hungry and thirsty souls with his crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life. As certainly as this bread is broken before our eyes and this cup is given to us and we eat and drink in remembrance of him. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice, once offered on the cross. It is the only ground for our salvation. Thereby he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink of, eternal, of life eternal. For by his death he has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, 
which is sin, and obtain for us the life-giving Spirit. By this Spirit who dwells in Christ as the head and in us as his members, we have true communion with him and share in all his riches, life eternal, righteousness, and glory. By the same Spirit, we are also united in true brotherly love as members of one body. For the Apostle Paul says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. As one bread is baked out of many grains, and one wine is pressed out of many grapes, so we all, incorporated in Christ by faith, are together one body. For the sake of Christ, who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall now love one another, and shall show this towards one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. Finally, Christ has commanded us to celebrate the Holy Supper until he comes. We receive at his table a foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised, and look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb, when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Let us rejoice and give him the glory, for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. May the almighty heavenly God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ help us in this through his Holy Spirit. To receive all this, let us now humble ourselves before God in prayer and call upon him in true faith. <coughs> Merciful God and Father, we thank you that in this supper we cherish the blessed memory of the bitter death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we may entrust ourselves more and more to your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that our contrite hearts may be nourished with his true body and blood. Yes, with him who is the only heavenly bread that we may not live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in him. Let us so truly be partakers of the new and everlasting testament, the covenant of grace, that we do not doubt that you will forever be our gracious Father, never more imputing to us our sins, but providing us with all things for body and soul as your dear children and heirs. Grant us your grace that we may take up our cross joyfully, deny ourselves, and confess our Savior. Let us in all tribulation await our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come from heaven to change our mortal body to be like his glorious body, and to take us to himself forever. Hear us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us now profess our Catholic undoubted Christian faith by singing together hymn one.
brothers and sisters, in order that we may now be nourished with Christ, the true heavenly bread, we must not cling with our hearts to the outward symbols of bread and wine, but lift our hearts on high in heaven, where Christ our advocate is, at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Let us not doubt that we shall be nourished and refreshed in our souls with his body and blood through the working of the Holy Spirit, as truly as we receive the holy bread and drink in remembrance of him. All confessing members of this congregation in Southern River are invited into the Lord's table. We also invite the following visitors who have provided an attestation of their faith to the consistory. The following guest, Sister Nell Underwater, a communicant member from our sister church in Chilliwack, British Columbia. And Sister Tanika Desnu, a communicant member of our sister church in West Albany. Both are heartily welcome. If you're not a member of this congregation or an announced visitor, we ask that you do not come forward to join in with the eating and drinking at the table. This is in no way a judgment on your faith or relationship with Christ since we not yet have been able to ascertain this. Instead, it is because God teaches us in 1 Corinthians 11 that the Lord's Supper is a communal celebration. It must be kept holy and promote the unity of faith within the congregation. For this purpose, the attendance at the Lord's Supper is closely supervised. This is an effort to ensure that guests are true believers, faithful in their adherence to the Reformed faith, and that they lead a godly life. And even though you may not attend the Lord's Supper, we encourage you to remain with us in the church. By observing the celebration and hearing the word preached, may you be encouraged and edified through the working of the Holy Spirit. And now, to prepare ourselves to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we will sing together Hymn 59, Stanza 1, while the table is being prepared.
I invite you all to take a piece of bread. The bread which we break is a communion of the body of Christ. Take Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. I invite you to take a cup. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. read together from Isaiah chapter 4 starting at verse 2. Isaiah chapter 4 starting at verse 2. The branch of the Lord glorified. In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment 
and by a spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flame by night, a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. First in chapter 3, you find out a long list of judgments against Jerusalem and Judah, especially the ladies in Jerusalem. And then comes in chapter 4, and all of a sudden the tone changes. It's one of grace. And there you see really the mercy of the Lord. They didn't deserve it, but yet there is mercy for his sin-laden people. And he does the same for us purged in the blood of Christ. And then we find in this passage that we are made pure and holy. We are washed clean. All the survivors who come back from the exile, all of them are made clean. And we know it is through the branch, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is the one who cleanses us through his blood and gives us that fountain of cleansing so that we are cleansed from all our sins as we just heard at the table. And this remnant is called holy, set apart. And it reminds us that in Jesus Christ, you and I are set apart as holy. The last part of this passage deals with how the Lord will protect them. And there will be a canopy of glory it reminds you of the exodus from Egypt. This is a, a greater exodus. Yes, that cloud of glory and that pillar of fire would accompany them as it did from Egypt. And here, this is the greater exodus that we have in Jesus Christ, who said when he was on the mountain and transfigured, he was talking with Elijah and Moses about one subject, the exodus that he was to perform in Jerusalem and this is what we receive and as a result this kind of protection even though we are not aware of it so washed in the blood of Jesus and we're kept safe let's sing of this with the words of Psalm 33 stanzas 3 and 4 
invite you to take a piece of bread. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Take it, invite you to take a cup. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take Drink from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. We turn to Isaiah chapter 7, the well-known prophecy about the coming Emmanuel. <coughs> Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. The sign of the Emmanuel. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. 
For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. A familiar text with more details about the coming Messiah, the promised seed of David. He would be a branch, but now he's also called Emmanuel, God with us. And the Lord gives King Ahaz, yes, he's going to give him a sign. But that sign is refused. And you know, even though the sign can be as deep as the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean or high as Mount Everest, the Lord would do it. Because you read in the gospel message about Christmas, just read Matthew or Luke. Nothing will be impossible with God. God will do it. And yet the king refuses. I'm not going to test the Lord. No. Pious nonsense. His false modesty is a sign of his unbelief. And it shocks the Lord and the prophet. We should never approach the Lord in this way. Because in the next verse he says, something is going to come upon the kingdom that has never been seen before. Ultimately, that was the king of Assyria is going to take over. That's how bad it is. And this was a sign, a very great sign. The Lord's Supper is a sign and seal as well. We're not to despise them. The Lord in his grace gives them to us. And if they are despised, then the Lord will take it ill of us. But there is this fulfillment that the son will be born of an unmarried woman. She's betrothed, but she's still a virgin. An Alma in Hebrew. And this sign is embedded in the history of its time because before the child who is promised can grow up and know how to refuse evil and choose the good, the two kings that they're so worried about will be gone, disappear. So in order to see the fulfillment, we have to look further into history. We have to look far, far ahead. And again, the Gospel of Matthew tells us, because it quotes this text, and says, this person is Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem. That is the fulfillment. With God, nothing is impossible. God with us. Amazing. Let us sing of this with the words of hymn 20, stanzas 1 and 4.
I invite you all to take a piece of bread. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat, remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. you to take a cup. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you, remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. We go to Isaiah chapter 9, the verses 1 through 7. We learn more about the branch in this Emmanuel. <coughs> but there will be no bloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a son is born, to us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. First of all the promise of the light that land that had seen so much contempt and so much desolation, misery, would see a great light. The Syrian king had invaded and attacked and left behind desolation. But in this northern area of Galilee, we see a great light. And you know, if you read the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, and then when <clears throat> John the Baptist is put in prison, Jesus comes out. Where does he go? He goes to Galilee. And the center is Capernaum by the lake. And he preaches the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And they see a great light. And this text is quoted to show how the Lord fulfills his word. And so you see that it would come and they would have this great light. In Jesus Christ we have that light. Nations are full of darkness because of sin and ignorance. We may walk in light, know God, know this world and know ourselves. He gives us light. And then there's the promise of the Messiah and his names. Child is born, a son is given, a special son. And if you take a look at those titles, then he is really special, wonderful. You may remember that when the Lord was asked, what is your name? Then the Lord said, my name is wonderful. You can't comprehend it. You can't understand it. Wonderful. So it's a title for God. Counselor. All the things that a counselor does. Encourage, prod, rebuke. Stand up for people. That's what Jesus did. And when he went into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit as the other counselor to do the same kind of work amongst us. So we have this wonderful title of counselor, but there is more, mighty God, mighty in word and in miracles, says the gospel, mighty in word and in miracles. And if you just think about bringing somebody who is dead back to life, 
been dead a few days and then back to life. It astounds you. You can't understand that. He is God himself, as Doubting Thomas also learned to confess. He's the everlasting Father, eternal, and at the same time the way he treats us, he's like a father for his children. He's the Prince of Peace. He doesn't come like a warrior on a war horse. He comes humbly to bring peace by means of his cross, a Prince of Peace. And we'll learn more about that in that next prophecy that we will read. So it's no ordinary child. He's got a special task. The government is upon his shoulders. He inherits the kingdom of David. He's got a rule, and that's no easy task. And that's what our Lord Jesus Christ does from heaven. He rules over us in wisdom, in truth and righteousness. Let us rejoice in that. Let us now also sing of that with the words of hymn 19, stanzas 3 and 4.
advise you to take a piece of bread. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat, remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. I invite you to take a cup of wine. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. We turn to Isaiah 11, and since the first part is quite well known, the second part is not, I'll deal with the second part, verses 6 to 10. The first part deals with, there will come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, endowed with a sevenfold spirit of God. We go to verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with a young goat. The calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of, of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. 
First of all, we find about this reign of peace through this branch from Jesse, from David, the Messiah. And you have this wonderful prophecy about a time in which there will be peace, safety from very dangerous animals. And if I can apply it to our days today, mothers may be very afraid for their children, very protective. Don't go in the open field with the high grass. Could be snakes there, dewgites, tiger snakes. You never know, maybe a brown snake, very poisonous. And then to think, no more of that. No more of that at all. A reign of peace and safety. That's what the Messiah brings to us. And then we also read that he's a banner for the nation, a signal for the nations. It's always been translated as a banner for the nations, like a flag. And the nations, they rally to that flag. We rally to the flag of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure that on that flag, it has an emblem. Because central to the gospel is the cross of Jesus Christ that we remember today. And we rally to that because that's where we find salvation and life. We will not only inquire and seek it, we will also hope in him. That is what is said here. And it's not only for nations, because we first of all think of the Jewish nation, but the Jews have been told it's not only for you, but it's also for Gentiles. And I think the Apostle Paul, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. And in chapter 15 of the letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul says, you know, God also wants to be glorified by the Gentiles. And he quotes text after text. And then the last text he quotes is this Isaiah 11 verse 10. That the Messiah will be like a banner for the nations and that the nations will seek him, including us. Not many amongst God's people today are Jewish, but we are belonging to the Gentiles to whom Jesus Christ has come. And at the end, his resting place will be glorious. And his, if his resting place is glorious, then he ensures that it'll be the same for us. For I go to prepare a place for you, he told us. And so we will also have that resting place of glory, something to look forward to. Let us sing together of this with that Psalm 89, stanza 8, Psalm 89, stanza 8.
Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord has now nourished our souls at his table, let us together praise his holy name. And let everyone say in his heart, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Therefore my heart and my mouth shall proclaim the praise of the Lord from now on and forevermore. Let us give God thanks in prayer. Merciful God and Father, we thank you that in your boundless mercy you have given us your only begotten Son as our mediator. We praise you that he is the sacrifice for our sins and our food and drink to life eternal. We thank you that you give us a true faith through which we may share in such great benefits. <coughs> Through your Son, you have instituted the Holy Supper for the strengthening of our faith. We earnestly ask you, faithful God and Father, that by your Holy Spirit, this celebration may lead to our daily increase in true faith and fellowship with Christ, your beloved Son. Remember, Lord, those who could not be in our midst. Grant better health where there is ill health. Give patience to those burdened with physical illness or with mental handicaps. We thank you, Lord, also for a school year that comes to a close for the students. We thank you for all they could learn and all the wisdom they could absorb. We pray, Lord, be in our congregation. Strengthen the lonely and widowed members. Help those in trouble and guide those who need direction. Bring back the wayward. May discipline be a measure of your love and mercy. May it thwart the evil one. Thank you for this celebration of the Lord's Supper. Thank you we could remember Christ until he comes. Thank you for all those wonderful passages. And we pray, Lord, give us hope in the midst of many difficulties in this world. To you belongs the thanks. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
you now have the opportunity to give your thank offering unto the Lord, and afterwards we'll sing our final song, hymn 34.
Lift up your hearts to the Lord, receive his blessing, and go in peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you all. Amen.